0: Are you looking for truth from God's Word that you can understand and apply to your life? You'll find it today on Make It Clear with Dr. Stan Pons. Listen now as Stan makes it clear. There's
1: three real reasons, in my opinion, that are probably the greatest reasons why Abraham, excuse me, Paul, who was Jewish himself, selected Abraham as an example of the teaching of salvation by faith alone and now in the Messiah, in Jesus Christ. There are three words. You can just write them down. They're not big words. One is credibility. One is credibility. He wanted to gain credibility with the uh, Jews. And to do that, he had to bring in the big guns. And the big guns would be Abraham. Now, of course, that caused a lot of them to scratch their heads and say, Oh, Abraham, can faith alone, Abraham. But he knew this, he'd have an audience when he brought up Abraham's name. And under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit and the prompting of God, wanting that truth to be known to them and to us for for history, for eternity, he had to give that truth. So for credibility, he had a lot of credibility when he brings up the name Abraham. When you bring up the name Abraham. Have you ever been in a crowd somewhere and people are talking and all of a sudden you overhear someone say, I'm a Christian? What do you do when you hear someone in another conversation say, I'm a Christian? What do you do? I know what I do. I know what I get. I get whiplash. Really? Someone say Christian? All right. And that's what was happening. He said, Abraham, and everybody went, huh? What? What? What are you going to say? There's credibility. The second is, it proves this, that his doctrine was not a novelty, Remember, Paul is really saying salvation is by grace alone, through faith alone, and Christ alone, for the glory of God alone. Now, that's kind of taking a lot of stuff together and putting it into a sentence. But now what he's really saying when he does this, he says, What I'm telling you by faith alone to go to heaven is not new stuff. It's not a novelty. I didn't get this on a dark, stormy night in some tent somewhere. He's getting it from God, and it was around for a long, 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 long time. And it goes all the way back to their superstar, Abraham. So he's now proving the fact that his truth is not something new that's just coming up. Which is very important for all of us to know. That it's not like Christianity has the New Testament, the Jews have the Old Testament. It, it's not like that. That truth goes from cover to cover. And the third is this. It illustrates from history how that salvation actually, now catch this now, was before the law, salva- by faith alone, was before the law. Salvation was by faith alone during the time of the law, or we're going to say under the law. And then salvation is by faith alone in Christ, under the dispensation of grace. So we're going to say since the law. So salvation by faith alone was before the law, under the law, and then since the law, so that when we believe we are going to heaven by faith alone, I don't want you to think this got started 2,000 years ago at Pentecost, nor it got started here on Dowsett Avenue in the Pali. Okay, this has been going around... For a long time, and watch this, it didn't even start at the Reformation. The Reformation only made it, only, let me say it this way, only made it louder and more clearly defined it, but it was still around for a long time. So what am I saying to make it practical for you and me? Answer this question. Raise your hand right now. How many are positive? I'm going to find out how many Christians are here. How many are positive that if you were to die today, raise your hand, that you'd go to hell? Okay. Now listen carefully, all right? How many are positive? If you die today, you go to heaven. Raise your hand. Okay. That's what I want to hear. Now look up here. I want you to know that if you're trusting Christ alone as your Savior, watch this, I'm going to get serious now. This is real serious. That you are a part of not only a universal community of the redeemed, it's so huge, it's bigger than I could ever number or describe, and it's been going around for so long that you have a faith that is rock solid and it's been here and has not changed one bit. Now, that I said all of that, now let me bring a little bit of clarification to what I've just said. When I was younger, sometimes the Disney Channel, not the Disney Channel, it was, there was a program, Walt Disney, and they would do like Davy Crockett one week and then they'd have cartoons one Sunday night, you know, all the cartoons. And then they would do the most boring to me as a kid, the nature things, you know. And I remember that in those days in the early 50s, and they were showing this on TV, they would do what they call time-lapse photography. And they would kind of show you something, and they would show you over a period of time. It starts as practically nothing, like a little seed in the ground, and then it pops up, and then it grows, and it gets real big, and then it's producing fruit, something like that. How many have seen time-lapse photography when you saw something that was really tiny, and then it went all the way to full fruition? Would you raise your hand if you saw that? Okay, you know what I'm saying. Now, why am I telling you that? In a way, the Bible is like time-lapse photography, okay? Now, when you look in the Old Testament, you're not going to see where Abraham knew that Jesus Christ, and he could see him, and it talks all about Christ. But you will find Jesus Christ as you compare Scripture with Scripture and special idiomatic conver- uh, comments and words as you now see what God is saying as it begins to use certain particular words in the Hebrew even spelled a certain way in a context that says a certain thing describing who God is. And as you see this as you look at the Bible and you flip through it you're going to see salvation in its embryonic stage when man first fell. And then as it now comes full-blown, all the way then, if you want to go all the way to the book of Revelation, when finally that he is here, King of kings and Lord of lords, and all the evil is all cast like a wandering star forever and ever, and that a whole new eternity has begun. All of that is time-lapse photography. So that's why, again, it's possible that when you read the Old Testament, you have to dig and poke around a little bit, have a little bit of understanding, a little bit of hermeneutics, we might call it, and to understand that Jesus is in the Old Testament, not different, but also not fully developed as he was in the New Testament. And so we now have the privilege of going back and seeing what's going on there. And it, watch this, it enriches us because we see what's going on back there. For them, they're still kind of, I don't get all of this stuff. And that's why we're here, to make friends with our Jewish neighbors and to help them understand these truths. You got that? Amen. All right, now let's go verse by verse, 1 through verse 8, Okay. If you don't mind, you can be seated. You've been there, you kind of already nested, so I might disrupt you if you stood. But I want to read this passage to you. I don't always read through a passage on a Sunday morning, but this morning I want to read it so you get the flow better, and then we'll kind of pick it apart. It's just 1 through 8. Can you follow along? Just listen, and I'll read it to you. Verse 1 says, Romans one. What then shall we say that Abraham, our father according to the flesh, has found? For if Abraham was justified by works... He has something to boast about, but not before God. For what does the scripture say? Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. Now to the one who works, his wage is not credited as a favor, but what is due. But to the one who does not work, but believes in him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is credited as righteousness just as david speaks of the blessing on the man to whom god credits righteousness apart from works and now paul quotes old testament david blessed are those whose lawless deeds have been forgiven and whose sins have been covered blessed is the man whose sin the lord will not take into account Now that's the passage we're going to unpack today as we answer the question, getting salvation right. All right, let's look at our notes again and you might want to pull them out. So statement number one is simply this. How did Abraham receive eternal life. Now, I've already let the cat out of the bag because I've been saying all morning it's by faith alone in Christ. He believed that in a certain sense, in a much more abbreviated sense, but he knew it was by faith. But let's look at how it says it here as we unpack our toolbox, and we or our tackle box, and see what lures we might have in there. Number one is it's not by works. Look, if you will, in verse 1 and 2. It is not by works. What then shall we say that Abraham our forefather, according to the flesh, has found. In other words, what did did Abraham discover? And by the way, Abraham wasn't even looking for this. This was a sovereign act of God upon Abraham to bring him into the truth of salvation, teaching this, and to make him be a part of his forever family. All right? How did he he find this? For if Abraham was justified by works, and the word if there is kind of implied, for if Abraham was justified by works, and he wasn't, Okay, but if Abraham was justified by works, that means declared righteous just as if he'd never sinned by works. And that's so interesting. It didn't say by the law. We've already covered that in past sermons. Here's by works. So any kind of works, probably implied by works of the law. He has something to boast about. Sure he would. If he was declared perfect, justified by good works, who wouldn't boast about it? Have you known people that are pretty good? Let me share with you a a true story. Years ago, Carol and I um, on Saturday, well, Thursday nights, we taught a Bible study in a place called Miami Springs, Florida. Miami Springs in the old days provided the, the clear water to Miami. That's why it was called Miami Springs. And it was a nice bedroom community right by the airport. And so in that Bible study, we on Saturday would take our group, whoever wanted to go, and we would go door to door in the community with a survey that I put together, hoping that we might engage people with the gospel. We weren't Jehovah's Witnesses. We weren't in-your-face kind of thing. It wasn't like that. We just, hello, hi. My name is Stan, and this is my wife, Carol. And we'd like to ask you three questions. Question number one is, do you believe the Bible is God's mind on paper? Didn't care what their answer was. I wasn't going to debate it. They gave me the answer. Number two, do you believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross and rose again? at least have that much knowledge. Yes or no, didn't matter. My third question is where I wanted them to go. If you could know right now for sure that you could go to heaven by placing your faith alone in Christ, would you like to know? Now, that, that just launched us into the plan of salvation. If they didn't have time, they closed the door. If not, we said, thank you very much. Here's a pamphlet. Read it when you have some time. We went to the next door. Well, you that know me know that um, this was pretty cool, but we weren't covered enough territory. So I talked Carol into going across the street, and we would parallel the street together. Okay, you know how that is? So she knocks on the door, I knock on the door. She knocks on the door, I knock on the door. This way we can cover twice the ground. Isn't that smart? So now what happens is it starts to rain. And so Carol runs to the car, but I can't get to the car fast enough. So I run into this guy's garage that had the door open. And when I got into that guy's garage, he's there working on it. who's this guy running in here? And said, hey, how you doing? My name is Stan. And I got three questions. So I went through the message those questions and got to the end. And I said, well, if you could know right now how to go to heaven, would you like to know? And he very politely said, yes, I'd like to know. And I would begin by saying, you know, the Bible says we've all done something wrong. You know, I'm a sinner. You're a sinner. We've all done something wrong. And he said, no, no, not really. I said, no, no, wait, wait, wait. I, I am a sinner. And, and you're a sinner. Everybody's done something wrong. He said, no, 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 no. You're a sinner. Others are a sinner.'" But I haven't done anything wrong. If you really, I'm telling this as, as he said, if you really want to meet a sinner, I want you to, my neighbor, he is a creep. He is a jerk. This guy did, and he goes on and on and on about it. And so I met the first perfect person other than Jesus. No, I didn't. But what I'm trying to say, this man was locked into this. I can boast because I've done good things. And that's great. When I do share my faith and someone tells me the good things that they do, I hope you do what I do. I commend them on that. I don't put them down on that. But then I quickly move to the fact that if you're going to be good, how good do you have to be? As perfect as God. And we're not. So let's go back to the passage. So it says here, What then shall we say that Abraham, our father, according to the flesh, is found? Is he justified by works? He's something to boast about. Underline the phrase, but not before God. God doesn't look at the boasting part in this case because we're not justified by our works. There is no way we can ever get to heaven by our works. Now, I can understand this a little bit because I remember as a little boy, I got involved in Cub Scouts. And the more good you did, the more badges you would get. I remember when I was um, getting my Cub Scout, my, my, what do you call it, the the one, Yeah, I guess Cub Scout. You had to wear your badge upside down until you did a good deed. My, my family was at a swimming pool at a motel, and this lady was smoking, and she set her mat on fire. And so I ran next to her while it was flaming. Right? And she's sound asleep, and she's just burning this thing up. And I'm yelling, get up, get up, get up. I woke her up. She jumped up. I threw the mat in the water, and I shoved her into the water as an 8-year-old boy. Just boom, like this. I won my badge. Okay? <laughs> now, as I look at what I did in that great deed that I did, I'm still not good enough to go to heaven. So Cub Scouts, Boy Scouts, all this, it's you do good deeds, you get rewarded. You get into the military, you do great stuff, you get all these medals. You do stuff in school, you get rewarded. So we have such a mentality that there, we bought into the phrase, that says this, there is no free what? Lunch. So you all know that, all right? You never get something for What? nothing all right it never happens that way so we have this so much inside of us and God is trying to say there is nothing you can do to ever earn your way into heaven you can't boast about it it's not by good deeds that's the point so then the question is is if that's the case then what do we have to do what did Abraham have to do that's the second blank but by faith it's not by works it's by faith now let's go to the verse it says for what does the scripture say I love that about Paul when he's now helping these guys that he's speaking to in that church in Rome to understand salvation, he says, let's go back to the Bible. Let's go back to the Scripture. In fact, he's really saying this, because there wasn't a New Testament that was out there, you know, in all the Christian bookstores there in Jerusalem or in Rome. He said, let's go back to the Old Testament writing. And here's what it says. Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him As righteousness. That's why it's in bold print. It's letting you know it's quoting from the Old Testament. So it's coming back from something that was already written. So look up here for a second. What he just did. Is he took the Old Testament. Particularly the Jewish writings of the Old Testament. Of their king. Their um, superstar. And he validated that. What that now does. Is it locks together the Old Testament and the New Testament. Because he's saying. Here's what the scripture says. He believed God. And it was counted to him for righteousness. Now, that verse is coming from a passage in Genesis 15, and this is why I wish I had three hours every week to preach. What you need to know is in Genesis chapter 15, it begins by giving you a little bit of the introduction of the special, what we call it, here's a big word, Abrahamic covenant. An Abrahamic covenant is God's promise to a group of people based on conditional and unconditional promises. And one of those covenants that God made, that Abrahamic covenant, was the following four. Just listen, I need to write them down. Because I'm going to build a case and I'm going to tell you why I just belief was enough to get him there. All right? First of all, he promised in Genesis 15, Genesis 17, open up further on in Genesis, same truth, which is this. Number one, I'm picking you now to be the father of the Jewish. Your name is going to be changed from Abram to Abraham. Then he says, you're going to get a land. And that land is going to be specially defined and, and that's what all this argument's going on with the Palestinians and Hamas and all that jazz going on right now. You got the land. Now some people just say, okay, and then you get the nations of the world are blessed through a lot of people. I would like to say that you got the person, Abraham, of course, you got the land, but you also got with the dirt, you got a nation. You got a nation. And the nation required a lots and lots and lots and lots of people. And those people couldn't be people that moved from other nations into your nation. They had to come from your nation. had to begin a brand new nation. And the person who kind of popped out that nation was Abraham and who? Sarah. Okay. Fourth, this gets really cool. And that is now that God was going to protect or better word would be the word preserve this nation. Now, The Jewish nation is to be preserved. Now some of you say, well, if they're to be preserved, why were there 6 million Jews who died here? It didn't say that he was going to protect every single one of them, that no Jew will get a sore throat, a cold, or hit by a car, cancer, or beat up, or blown up. All it said is, I will keep this nation forever. Other nations will come and go. Just read your Old Testament, the Medes and the Persians and blah, 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 blah. The Jewish nation, I don't care how many nations come against Jerusalem, they will never squish it out. Now I will tell you that that simple little nation that he's going to preserve is also going to explode in tremendous blessings. Much further down in history, but for right now, he's going to do all of that. Now, why am I telling you that story? The Lord is now telling Abraham that, and what does he do? And what would you do if you heard a voice and someone said, uh, "Guess what? You're a man, or you're a man, a woman, and out of you, you're going to get a whole piece of dirt, and it's going to be your dirt." And out of that, there's going to be an entire nation. And in the context of Genesis, here's what he did. He said, come here, Abraham, come on outside. It's like me telling you, let's go outside. It's nighttime. And he says, okay, out here, look at the stars. Can you count all those stars? You can. not All those stars are going to represent part of your heritage, your nation. Watch this now. Watch this. Watch this. It's not just that they got a great nation. It's out of this nation. Watch. All the nations of the world will be blessed. This is huge, people. All the nations of the world would be blessed. Now, against this drama is Satan over here, who also works in the unseen world, but through the political action of, of humanity. He is now knowing that all these nations, all this promise, all goes to a God who's got to keep his promise. So if I can show that really this God is a no-nothing, no know, um, valuable God, I'm going to now bring all the nations of the world continually against the Jews. Now, I left out one part of the equation. Embedded in Abraham, embedded in the land, embedded in this nation, and embedded in the preservation of this nation, happens to be, here's a four-letter word, S-E-E-D, seed. And that seed represents the Messiah, who is now Jesus. Now, all of this is coming down in Abraham. And again, if you heard that, now you have the choice to say, where is this coming from? There is no God. He believed God. In Genesis 15, you'll have the word Lord. It believed in the Lord, L-O-R-D. Most of the time, if you typed it on your computer, you'd put capital L, because that's God, small O, small R, small D, that's Lord. But there, it's capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. Now, why does it do all caps? Because that was the way that the writers and translators would let you know that the name for God changed because there are three names for God. Adonai, not adenoids, adonai, Elohim, and what would be the third one, everyone? Jehovah. And so now it's saying he believed Jehovah. Jehovah was the savior dynamic of God. That was parts of him or him who would activate his work of saving. Physically saving, yes. Spiritually saving, too. But the whole saviorship, he believed. Now let's go back to the verse, Okay. For what does the scripture say? Abraham believed God, believed what he had to say, believed the promise, believed the um, um, sort of veracity of God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. So his belief is synonymous to righteousness, and the belief was in the right object, which was he believed not himself, he didn't believe the gods of the nations around him, didn't believe in a God he created and made himself, though he believed God, the one and true God. God. Now, keep that in mind. has to have the right object. He believed God, and it was crediting him for righteousness. If you're still with me, say, uh-huh. uh-huh. Okay, stay with me, okay? You'll see the word credited if you have a New American. I don't know what translation. Maybe yours has it, too. Now, when you see the word credited there, that's coming from a word that's kind of a funny word. It's logizomai. Can you say that with me? Logizomai. Logizomai. It's not like gizzards and lizards. It's logizomai. Logizomai is found in all of its various... Uh, conjugations, we might say, maybe there's a better word for it, but the different ways it's found, it's found 19 times in the book of Romans, 11 times just in Romans chapter 4, five times just in the passage we're talking about. So that must mean that this logismi, this credit means something very important. Now, what does that mean? It comes from the word, that means that we get today, the word logic. Now, how does that fit into the thing, logic? All right? When we say something is logical, what are we saying? It, we, we're saying if it's logical, that means it all adds what? It all adds up. It all adds up. It's logical. I figured it all out. So what it's really saying is that something is now credited. It is now balanced in the books. It's now put to your account. All right? It's all working together and now makes sense. It's more of an accounting word than a philosophical word. It's put on your account. So let's go back to the passage. So Abraham believed God, God spoke, he believed God for what he said, and it was credited to him as righteousness. So how did Abraham get saved? He believed in God, Jehovah God, embryonic stage, that out of him all the nations of the world would be blessed, and throughout the rest of his life he has now seen this thing begin to develop, and from him is going to come the Messiah in generations that will come in the distant future. That's how he got saved. There's no other way. So now the question is, is, what do we do to receive eternal life? That's verses 4 and 5. What do we do? Notice how he went from Abraham and now he talks about anybody. It says this. Now to the one who works, anyone, in context it would be Jewish people because that's more of who he's speaking to, but it could be broadened to anyone who works. And it's now talking not about uh, you know, um, working in the field or, 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 or herding sheep or something like that. It's the concept is doing religious or some form of work thinking that they will become righteous and please an angry God kind of a thing. Now, to the one who works, his wage is not credited as a favor, but what is due. So, here's our point. Salvation, if salvation is by works, then heaven is a reward and not a gift. Not a gift. All right? We have a couple of, or more than a couple, few employees here at International. Some, one is, well, two are full-time Pastor Dennis and I are full-time. We have uh, two or three that are part-time, three that are part-time. Now, I know that uh, they took this job. They need the money. They're doing what they need to do. But when they work, I am obligated to pay them. We set up the agreement. This is what you do when you do it. This is how much you get paid. You do it well. You do it right. You do it in a timely manner. You will get paid. So, in other words, their works, I give them something in return as an obligation, as what is due to them. Now, watch this. Salvation is not given to me because God is obligated to give it to me because I'm doing any amount of good works.